Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever it may be for you. Tom Rain here from Tom's Big Spiders. On a Saturday morning, we're going to cover a couple topics on this one. First, I'm going to do a couple updates, uh, quite timely ones, I think. Uh, last week or the week before, I can't remember which, they all kind of blend together. I talked about my uh, Pizzolatheria Metallica communal. Now, anybody that's followed this, we originally started with what was 10 slings. I put them into a cylindrical container that was probably roughly size and a half of a Pringles can. I mean, it was around that size. And they quickly outgrew it, which surprised me because when I originally raised my first piece of Ethereum Metallica, that little girl took forever to grow. It was by far the slowest growing pokey that I had. So again, some keeping them together seemed to have uh, created a better feeding response. So they were growing very quickly. Then we moved them into a glass 8x8x12 enclosure, which they look like they're going to outgrow pretty quickly. But when we did the actual transfer, I lost count of the spiders while I was doing it. And again, I, I, I was very concerned that, you know, one might bolt or more than one might bolt. So we kind of, as we were doing it, the plan was to count them out. And Billy and I both kind of got distracted and didn't count them. But when we went back to the video and tried to count them out, we thought there were only nine. The last time I didn't update on these guys, I talked about the fact that I've only counted nine since then. Well, the other day we counted ten. I'm almost positive. I say almost positive because I was so excited to get ten that I went to count again and got eight, and then I went to count again and got ten, and then Billy was helping me. We were just trying to, they were kind of moving around as we were counting them, but I'm pretty sure we got the ten. Now, granted, that's nine in the original closure. I did pull one of them out. The smallest one is out and by his or herself now in a one of those Amec containers. And there's another really small one in there that if I can get the opportunity, I will probably pull. But that was great news because I, you know, I didn't think any of them were eaten and I want to make that very clear, but it's possible one could have died or been, you know, who knows? It just, it was odd because we couldn't find that 10th one, but we ran into a similar thing with the M. Balfouris where we could never seem to find them all out and about. And I even said, and one of my tips as far as having an M. Balfouri communal is be prepared to not see all the spiders. Be prepared to have a point where, you know, you, you think you have a communal of six and you're only seeing four of them out at any given time. It seems to be normal and par for the course. So, again, just a little minor update, but happy to report that all ten are still there. All of them are doing well. Knock on wood. A couple have reached that magic uh four-inch diagonal lead span where usually it goes Hunger Games, and that's what I've heard from many, many people. And again, I get it, and there's a lot of... Um, a lot of people are against having the communals because they see the risk involved and they're like, why would you risk the spiders? And I totally get it. And I've mentioned before, I was in that camp for a long, long time, but the M. Balfouri one was so darn rewarding. And had I not done it, I think I would have missed out on one of the, the, the most rewarding things I've done in the hobby as far as I'm concerned. So I am, I, I go at these, I deliberate before I do it. I do the research. I find out, you know, not only are there ones that work, but are there a lot that work? Is there some kind of stipulation for them to work? And I really try to take that all into account. So I've heard a couple instances of folks keeping them right like this until they got older. I had a gentleman from Germany that said that they keep them over there a lot in groups and actually do group breedings a lot. And so it's kind of made me more confident with this. But again, I can't tell you how many comments I got on these guys when I post up videos and whatnot of people coming on and go, yeah, that's great. Wait till there's four inches. You'll have one fat one. So it's been in the back of my mind and the other morning I got up and it's funny because it's like obviously this arbitrary measurement. It's it's around four inches, whatever, but I just had four inches in my mind and I got the other morning and one of them was perched spread out right on the side of the glass. So I crept over with my tape measure and measured. I'm like, uh-oh, four and a quarter inches. Here we go. And then I had to kind of catch myself like, don't be an idiot. Come on. That's just 
a a ballpark and i think that's when they start reaching that age with some of the species they try to keep together that happens and i haven't necessarily heard it with peace the people that told me about we're talking about other peace letharia species that they try to keep communal it wasn't exclusive to the p metallica but again it gets in the back of your mind i don't want to lose any animals and if i lose any animals i'm gonna have to go and publicly say i screwed up or this didn't go the way i wanted it to i mean the good thing is it may save other people from doing it but the bad thing is i am responsible for those animals if something should happen to them so again it's weighed heavily on me and i've talked about breaking them apart at one point but we're going to go ahead because so far so good they all seem to be eating well even the little one there the other day i caught with a prey and it was almost as big as it was and it was eaten happily and another one walked right by it left it completely alone so so far so good with those guys and next up, we have an update that I'm ridiculously excited to report. And it, it, I was having a crummy week earlier this week, and I walked into the transfer room and witnessed something that just kind of turned it around. Uh, as I reported earlier, I've had some strange behavior with my Homeoma chilensis. I almost said you like the species reds. Homeoma chilensis, basically molting, eating maybe once, maybe not at all, and then mysteriously molting again, even though they were still really thin. And this has happened a couple times with both of them. And then I basically told the story of one of them. I got in a pet store, ate a couple times, molted, ate a couple more times, didn't eat for almost, I think it was almost two years. And then suddenly looked like it was going to die. I caught her and it, it looked like a death curl. I mean, I've, I've seen death curls before. I've seen what happens, you know, more, I've seen a lot with the males when the males start going at the end. And so I put her in her water dish. She drank, she perked back up, but she was, the, the water dish was there the whole time. She had access to water. I actually kept one corner of the substrate dry. So it shouldn't have been her drying out. I just thought she was on her way out. I thought it was an older female that was on her way out. Well, I come in one morning. She's looking terrible. I'm actually giving thought to euthanize her at this point because I feel terrible that she's just they, I don't know how much they suffer but when you see an animal like that it can't eat it can't drink on its own and it's you know looking that pitiful it, it kills you so come back later on and surprise she molted it blew my mind because she had literally eaten I, I forget I had my, all my notes for this one right now but it's just kind of filling people in that might not have heard the other uh, podcast about this but she had only eaten once and hadn't eaten for like two years and literally was emaciated like her abdomen was shriveled the skin that was exposed from her kicking hairs around was shriveled and hardened it looked leathery it just looked terrible and she molted out and she was sitting there and after that and I said would update people well I honestly now I'm thinking what happened was in her last molt that sometimes they have a problem with their sucking stomachs getting caught to the molt or having issues there so it doesn't allow them to eat and some will die from that and I've had people tell me that they've you know looked at the molts afterwards and looked at the spiders after they've died and realized it was a problem with the stomach. So I'm wondering if that happened and what I saw was basically she couldn't eat and then she molted to try to repair the damage. Usually when that happens, they have what's called, you know, people will refer to as a quick molt where they'll molt, they'll be damaged and then the spider will immediately recognize, uh-oh, I got to fix this so it'll molt again. In this case, it was like two years. This wasn't a quick molt. I don't know what was going on. It was very odd, but obviously there was something wrong with her physiologically that was prohibiting her from eating and from growing and doing what she needed to do. So she molted out. I catch her doing the spider yoga. She's stretching. I'm watching her over the course of several days. And I'm like, man, this is really weird. She perked right back up, caught a drinking water on her own. Like, this is fantastic. So then it was like, all right, is she going to eat? I mean, this spider has, I've had her now, oh God, three years, three and a half years. I have to double check. I picked her up at a pet store ages ago and has not eaten much for me at all. So the other day, feeding day, I go in, I take, I have a small, like a medium-sized cricket. I didn't want to start it with something big, and the back legs were already off of it. So I'm like, this will be a perfect one, easy one for a catch. And I kind of dropped it in the enclosure. 
Come back the next day, look in the enclosure, and hallelujah, she's up on her like stilted legs eating the cricket. I, I even got the, I felt bad she's eating for the first time, and God, it's been like maybe close to two years, two and a half years. I shine the flashlight in there, and I can see the cricket head bolus, and it's the nastiest little thing ever, and it made me so happy. And that's when you realize you really have a problem with the hobby when you're looking at, you know, half dissolved crickets getting excited, but she was eating it. And I, I haven't been that happy in quite some time with one because I honestly thought I was going to lose this one. I had tried everything with her to get her to eat. I'd mashed them up. I, I examined her at one point, make sure her fangs weren't injured. But and sometimes if you mash them up and kill them ahead of time, they'll go for pre-killed if they don't, you know, if they're not feeling well or if they're ill. Uh, we've done everything. I've tried different types of food things. I've killed roaches, different types of roaches. Nothing was working. So to see her eating again was huge and just made my whole day. And those are the type of things of the hobby that I, well, I don't want to say I live for because it usually means something's going bad for a while and I'm stressed out. But it really did. I just can't even explain. I, I'm sure many of you out there can relate. Anybody that's had sick transfers or worried about them. I, I get emails all the time from people going, hey, I know you're probably going to laugh at this and this stupid thing, but I'm worried about this. And I'm like, no, no, I worry constantly. And I, I need that to come out loud and clear. I, I wish I could someday become one of those keepers that's just like, oh, this thing hasn't eaten in two years, whatever. I'm sure it'll figure it out or whatever. I don't. I always worry. I perseverate. I try to figure out what's wrong with them. It, it hasn't, I haven't lost that. It, I mean, it's not as bad. And obviously I know a lot more than I did when I first started. So I, I know what to expect in many more cases, but I still worry sometimes. I still worry sometimes when things go into pre-molt and then they molt and I worry about the molts not coming out. So that's all, that doesn't go away as far as I'm concerned, at least with me. I'm sure others probably report differently, but that's just me. I tend to worry about stuff. So to see her up and eating, that was absolutely just an amazing thing to see. I, you know, I called Billy. I'm like, you guys see this? We're all excited. So hopefully she's on the mend. I dropped another cricket in shortly before starting this podcast and we'll see what we're, how she does. I also reported last time that it looked like she's still that patch on her abdomen was still present. But what I realized today is now that she has hardened up a little bit and I got a better look at it, it's actually the abdominal skin is stuck over top of the new her new abdominal skin. So it's a, a flap of old skin and it's a rather large flap. So today I just took some warm water with a paintbrush and gently brushed it on. It's easy with these guys. And hopefully what I can do is as she puts on a little weight and that stretches a little bit and her abdomen stretches a little bit, it'll help release that and hopefully that'll eventually come off. So I'll go in there and every time I feed her now or you know in between and put a little water on it. Sometimes when you take water and add it to the skin, it, it absorbs it and loosens it up and it'll just fall off it on its own. Right now, it's not blocking off her ability to go to the bathroom. It's not blocking off her spinnerets. So we should be in good shape even if it doesn't come off immediately. But oh my God, so happy to report that she is doing well. And now some, and, and while I'm on the each chalensis, I might as well update on another female of mine that uh, has done some incredible burrowing, which is something I haven't seen with these guys before. Now, slings will burrow, and a lot of slings will burrow. But if you, even if you see pictures of this species out in the wild, they are in very the pictures I've seen of them, they're in very shallow dens under like roots and rock systems and stuff. They don't dig a lot. And granted, that earth is probably very hard packed, and these are a smaller spider. And uh, I personally, in having kept them, I've given them the chance to dig before. I tried a lot of different things because as I've reported, I think I've got a lot of the, the ones I've had in the past have been wild caught females that they're still, they don't seem to settle down as well as captive bred ones. So I've tried a lot of different enclosure styles and things with them. One of the things I did try with all mine was giving them a lot of substrate and a starter burrow just in case they wanted to burrow because they all seem very... 
uh, what is the term antsy and, and they wander around constantly. And I've talked to other people that like, yeah, these guys never settle down. They're always wandering around their cages and exploring, which is weird because anybody that keeps tarantulas usually find that they find a burrow. They either build a burrow or adapt a burrow or to hide. And they usually stay in there and then they come out sometimes to roam at night, but usually in the daytime they're hidden. These guys are out all the time. So I was always trying to figure out, is it something I'm doing on my end that's making them so restless? I think that's what I was looking for earlier. So again, I was looking, is there something I'm doing? Are they not comfortable in, in what I'm providing? That's one of the things with tarantulas. Again, we've ad nauseum, we've said they're not particularly expressive. So trying to follow their behaviors and figure out, is it, are they doing something that should be telling me I'm doing something wrong? How should I take this and interpret it? So I've tried a million different things, you know, the deeper substrate with moist on the bottom to see if that would encourage burrowing, dry substrate, the whole nine, never seen burrowing behavior from any of them. Well, suddenly my other female who molted recently dug a huge extensive series of tunnels. And this wasn't just like one small tunnel going down. We're talking, she went from one corner all the way to the other corner, came up, went back down the other side, did a tunnel around there. So she's got a series of very intricate tunnels, which I've never seen this species do this before. So again, another cool thing that I haven't witnessed before that has really been kind of neat to watch. Now she isn't living in the tunnels. I've Again, normally with these guys, they wander around a lot. I haven't seen this behavior. It's not like she's hanging out in them. It's not like she's going fossorial. It's just like she got bored and said, hey, let's build some tunnels. And they're reinforced. They're holding up well. I don't know. New behavior. So again, I love doing this type of stuff, the podcast, the videos and such. I like sharing what I find, but... Again, I'm an island over here. This is just my observations. I'm just one guy, and I think my observations are decent, but sometimes I need other information to go on. So, again, if anybody's seen this behavior with yours, I'd love to hear about it. You know, maybe I could do an update video or something in the future with some folks talking about the behavior of their guys, but uh, this is new to me. And I have, again, I expect slings to burrow. I know these little slings will burrow. I know that for a fact, but I haven't seen this behavior out of a full fledged adult before. And, and it's weird behavior because she doesn't seem to be using the burrow. The burrow is there, but right now when I went to feed her, she was sitting right up on top, climbed right out in my hand again. I have more impromptu handling sessions with that one than anything. Actually, it's the only one I have impromptu handling sessions, quite frankly. So again, if you guys have this species, if you have an adult, let me know. Are you seeing this burrowing behavior as they get older? Are your guys wandering around restless? Do you think, I mean, if you have a younger specimen, like a juvenile or so, something like around the inch, inch and a half mark, it's probably captive bred, I would think. So are you seeing any differences in the behavior? I'd love to be able to compare the two. I'm pretty certain both both of mine are wild caught, unfortunately. So I'm getting one set of behaviors from them, but let's, I'd love to hear about whether or not people see this when they have the captive bred ones as well. All right, so moving on to the main topic of this one. And again, please, if anybody has a moment, let me know. Do you ever read the descriptions for these or do you just go ahead and click on them? Because sometimes I'm getting ready to post and I'm agonizing over to what to put in the descriptions and how much to put in there. And so they've been kind of crappy lately because I haven't really been inspired to write out a big description and I'm not sure how many people actually read them. So let me know if when you click on the podcast, do you ever look at the description or do you just click on it or do you get mostly what you need from the title and that's about it? That would help me out greatly so I see if I should spend more time on the descriptions because sometimes I put today's topic is and I put like the one thing out of like 10 different things I talk about because it just seems to, I don't know, it just doesn't seem a point to go and say every little thing I'm talking about. But let me know if you'd like me to do that. And I haven't done the chapter breaks on these. One of the things I can do with the podcast is add spots so you can click right to where, like, so for example, you just want to hear about what I'm going to talk about next. You can see in the table of contents that begins at 
uh, 16 or whatever the time is, and you can click right to it. So just let me know how many people. I don't I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, so I'm not as familiar with what people use and what they don't use. But if that's something people would like, I can definitely go back. And now you start adding them into these, but go back into some older ones and start shoring them up a bit. So moving on to the main topic today, mislabeled or tarantulas that are sold under the wrong names. I was trying to figure out how to title this. I'm sure there's a better way to do it here. But basically, here's what happens. You go out and you buy a tarantula as a sling. You're all excited. You think you're getting tarantula A, but as the sling matures, you start to notice that it isn't quite looking like the species you thought it was going to be. So basically, when you buy a tarantula, but it's mislabeled and you end up getting a different tarantula. Now, the reason I bring this up is I get a lot of emails and comments from people. Hey, I bought such and such a species, but I don't think it's this. Could you please look at the pictures and tell me what you think? And 90% of the time, I end up with a picture of a brown sling. And anybody that's been in this knows exactly where I'm going with this. Many slings look exactly the same. Like, they're, you, one sling looks like another sling, especially the New World species. They all have the little black mirror patch. And, you know, it, it, they generally, unless you're talking about something like, you know, obviously some slings that stand out in my mind, um, C. Cyanio pubicins. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, Carabina versicolor, like ones you can't mistake the, any of the Formictopus species. Well, I should say the, not the ones from Cuba, the Cuba are brown, but the ones from Hispaniola are blue. So there's certain ones that, you know, you look at that and you go, that is, that is definitely a Caribbean versicolor. That is definitely a GBB. You're all set. Other ones like old world slings all kind of look alike. And again, I'm sure there's going to be somebody out there who goes, oh, I can tell them all apart. You probably can. I'm not discounting that. I'm just saying for me personally, I'm not great at differentiating slings. Sometimes I try to look at the carapaces and the markings and the the indentations. And I'm sure there's a technical term for that that somebody's going to call me on. But they're very difficult to tell. So what I'll get is, hey, Tom, I thought I bought, uh, this was supposed to be a Brachypelma smithy, but it's, um, I'm thinking it's not. Could you take a look at this? And I get a picture of like a quarter inch sling. I'm like, dude, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. So a lot of people, unfortunately, are under the impression that it's it happens a lot that you buy one spider and you're sold another spider. Now, personally, I've been in the hobby for a while. I've bought a lot of spiders and my experience has been that if you're buying from reputable dealers, you're buying from people like, I don't know, uh, Jamie's Tarantulas, Fear Not Tarantulas, uh, Swift's Inverts, uh, Pinchers and Pokies, you know, some of the online people that specialize in tarantulas. And I apologize if I let people, I'm just throwing people out off the top of my head. If you buy from people that know what they're doing, this there's a very minimal chance you're going to get the wrong animal. Does it happen? Yes, it does. But I don't think to the extent that people seem to believe. And I think a lot of times it's folks that are new into the hobby that they look at pictures of this big, beautiful spider, and then they get these little sling, and they're like, wait a minute, this doesn't look right. And they start thinking, uh-oh, maybe this isn't the right one. And I think that's more often than not, it's newer people. However, it does happen. Um, I can tell you a couple, uh, you know, one way it can happen with the people that know what they're doing is sometimes they're sold spiders and the person selling them to them has sold them as something different. This has happened before. And when you're, again, when you're looking at spiders, you're taking the person's word for it when you're buying a bunch of tiny slings that this is the species it's supposed to be. That can happen. You know, people, basically when people breed spiders, they go out and say, hey, I have 250 slings of species X who wants to buy some wholesale. Somebody buys them from them. It's going to take years for somebody, especially if you're talking about a Brachypelma or a Fonapelma. Grandma stole it. It's going to take years 
before the error is caught. That's like, so it's, if you just got a bunch you want to unload quickly and then disappear from the hobby, it's not very difficult to do. So it can happen. I remember years ago, I bought from Jamie's Tarantulas what was supposed to be a Theraphosa apophysis. I was so excited because she had a ridiculously good deal on it. And I got the spider and it was just in between the phase where it was losing the pink and everything. So you couldn't really tell by that. But I put it up online, uh, a video on YouTube, and somebody who has raised many more Theraphosa species than I, this guy is an, like, an expert on Theraphosa and knew his stuff, pointed out that's not an apophysis, that's a stermy. And so I, we went back and forth. I'm like, could you tell me what you saw, what you're looking for? He pointed things out. I learned a lot from this conversation, was very appreciative because, again, I don't want to be putting misinformation out there. And yep, it was a stermy, beautiful stermy, but it was a stermy. And then I talked to Jamie, and Jamie was sold these by somebody who assured her that they were were actually apophysis and unfortunately they were sold as such you know accidents happen things happen there are people that are very reputable you're i can't even imagine the amount of spiders people deal with and i'm sure things get mixed up at times and it's for me it's understandable i can see how these can go wrong so again the only problem with it is sometimes it can take you years to figure out a mistake happens so if you're buying say a you think you're getting a brocky palma smithy and you're all excited about it. You buy this little sling. You go, I'm going to raise it up to an adult. And then you wait years, 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 years. Finally comes down the line. You realize, uh-oh, this isn't a Brachypelma smithy at all. It's a B. albopelosum. That's disappointing because now you've just invested several years in raising a spider. And granted, you still love the spider, but it's not the one you thought you had. And now the opportunity to get one may be passed. Now it's going to be another three years if you get a sling before you actually have one showing its colors or whatever. So I get why people freak out about this. I get why they're upset. But I would say with dealers, it's usually not – It's it doesn't happen very often. Where you're going to run into this more is when you're buying from shows, from people at shows. And not saying – obviously, there's some reputable dealers there, but a lot of times you have reptile folks. It just they, they decide they want to sell some tarantulas to bring some people to the table. The, the buddy of theirs is like, oh, I got some of these over here, the red-footed uh, Finkel dish or something. They make up some weird name or something. I'm sorry, I don't know, but I've heard some weird ones. And then they sell the spiders having no idea what they are, no, you know, some fake common name, no scientific name, so you don't know what you're getting. Or obviously the pet stores are infamous for it. I've seen some things like uh, somebody sent me one that it was Goliath bird-eating spider and it was obviously a totally different species. I think it was a smithy at this point. Um, I've seen so many of these that that I kind of forget. So pet stores, probably the biggest issue because they don't know enough about the spiders to check themselves. So one thing is when you're dealing with somebody that breeds or one of the more reputable sellers, they know enough about it to ferret out if it's the wrong species under most circumstances. You go to a pet store, all bets are off. I think somebody sent one. It was it was a, called the Blue Tree Spider, I want to say is what it was, and it was a cobalt blue. It, yeah, a lividum. And or libidus, and that's obviously somebody going in there thinking they were getting it was. I think it was a vicularia they were kind of going for, like the hey little blue tree spider, and getting a libidum. Boy, you're going to get the shock of your life. So, I again for people that worry about this, more the pet stores. Uh, the good thing about the pet stores is a lot of them don't carry slings. They're usually getting they they want to entice people. So a little vial with a sling in it isn't going to bring people in. But a big hairy spider, you know, under a heat lamp, dying slowly on, you know, wood chips, that's going to bring the people in. 
So I think it's usually bigger specimens, which I do get a lot. And I, lo- I actually enjoy doing this. It's one of the, I love getting these emails. I get a lot of emails. Hey, Tom, I'm at a pet store. This is the, this is what they have it labeled at. Here's a picture of the spider. What is this? And you got to get to play the guessing game. And I would say nine times out of 10, it's not what it's labeled as, or they've made up a fake name. So it, that's kind of fun for me. But for folks buying from the reputable dealers, it's not – don't worry as much about it. It's not something that should be concerning you. It doesn't happen often. I have had hundreds of tarantulas, and it has happened to me a total of three times now. And this is what kind of led to this podcast because does it, it – it can happen. It, it has happened to me, and I'll tell you the two instances. One of them is I bought, I believe it was from Pet, actually it might have been, both of these might have been from Pet Center USA, which has closed down. It was one of my go-to places. The guy had great prices, but found out some things after the fact that, eh, anyway, moving on. Um, I remember buying what was supposed to be a Brachypelma albiceps sling. I was so excited for these. I saw pictures of them. They were gorgeous. I was getting back into the New World species, and I really wanted one of these. So to make a long story short, picked up a little half-inch sling. Well, fast forward several years, I go to do a rehousing of it, and I'm waiting for that, you know, tan carapace to show up, that striking tan carapace, and it molted, and it had kind of a greenish carapace. I'm like, this doesn't look like what, you know, I thought I was getting at all. So I posted a video online, and some people came forward and went, hey, buddy, I hate to tell you, that's that's not a not a B. albiceps, but you got a very beautiful Brachypelma albopelosum there. So basically, what I thought what was supposed to be a B. albiceps, and the only thing that kind of irritates me a little bit, well, two things. A, I really wanted a B. albiceps, and B, it was much more expensive than the B. albos. The B. albos were like 10 bucks at the time. This thing was like 35 or something. It, and I already had several B. albiceps. Now, granted, I love B. albiceps. I think I have four of them, including this guy. Well, three, no, actually, I might have five, a lot of B. albiceps, but I really didn't need another one. So that was kind of disappointing. And again, by the time... I figured out what had happened. The it had been several years, and the dealer had closed down. So there's a situation where it actually happens with a, a dealer. Am I was I incredibly upset about it? I wasn't, and that's me. But I can understand why people. You know, I back when I was first getting into the hobby, I was reading a lot of reviews from places trying to figure out where to order from, and I, I knew somebody came on there and was livid because they had purchased a sling from a certain dealer. Uh, like four years earlier, and now that had it, you know, turned to a juvenile, he had identified it was the wrong species, and he was all up in arms about it. And I was like, man, he was really upset. And I do get it because that's four years you, I don't want to use the term wasted, but wasted raising the wrong spider. So I, I understand why people would be upset about it. For me, it's just like, oh, well, all right, I got another one of these, and, and I go and try to find a B. albiceps. Now, of course, when I found this out, nobody had B. albiceps at the time. I was really kind of disappointed. At this point, I was willing to buy a juvenile and looking, it would have paid for a sexed female juvenile because I didn't want to go through raising something for three years again for this. So yeah, I guess that is kind of irritating. But anyway, what brought this on is I posted a video on my Afana, well, quote unquote, Afana Pelma Annex that I've had questions about for about a year and a half now. And this one I picked up, it was a freebie, again, from Pet Center USA. I'm realizing now that out of the three I have, two of them are from the same place. Weird. And I originally, and I've told this story many times, which now I, I feel like I'm a liar because if what I'm about to say is true, then that one might not even been what it was supposed to be. But I told the story about how I got the Annex. It sat in its cage. I set it up what I thought was well, and it ended up dying. And I picked up a second one as a freebie, another Fonapelma Annex, got it as a freebie from Pet Center USA. And this time I added the water down the side. It went and burrowed. I've told the story a million times. Everybody's probably sick of hearing it. Anyway, 
as it picked up more and more size, if I was starting to see that the carapace was particularly bright. Now, I've looked up pictures of A. annex, and the adults, the females, look like the carapaces are more of a brown, like a caramel brown, a darker brown, but the males keep that fleshy colored carapace. I did look like, and I did talk to some people who said that the juveniles of this species are very striking, have that striking pattern with the black legs, the fleshy colored carapace, and the reddish hairs on the abdomen, which makes them look a lot like the Bialbiceps. So I wasn't, as this thing started putting on size and getting larger, I wasn't freaking out that it was misidentified because unfortunately in this case, the two species were very similar in appearance. They looked a lot alike to the untrained eye. So it wasn't one of those situations where you had two entirely different looking tarantulas to compare. How do you tell? Like you look at the pictures, if you look up uh, Fauna Palma Annex online on Google and look at some of the pictures, they look exactly like Bialbiceps. Of course, some of those pictures are mine, so I'm probably contributing to this. But anyway, I posted up a video when I first rehoused her. I rehoused her into an 8x8, one of those Exoterra breeding boxes. And a couple people came forward and said, man, that really looks like a Fauna Palma. I mean, it looks like Brachy Palma Albiceps. And I'm like, well, it was sold as A-Annex and they look very much alike. And at this point, she was only about two and a half, three inches or so. And people are like, oh yeah, they do kind of resemble each other at that stage. Well, yeah, a year and a half has passed. I rehoused her into something new and she molted and I did a video of that. And more this time, it really looked like a Brachypelma albiceps. And I didn't want to come forward and go, hey, it's Brachypelma albiceps. Because again, when I looked up pictures, they look very similar. I didn't really have anything to go on. I did have a molt from her. And what I was hoping to do is look at a molt, the you know the sex organs from a female and compare uh, B albiceps and compare them to an A annex and see if they were, I could tell from that. But at the time I was making the video, I put it out there, said it was only oh, yeah, an update on my, you know, ANX and look how beautiful it is. And this time a lot of people came forward saying that's a Bialbiceps. That looks like a Bialbiceps. And again, I don't mind being wrong. I honestly don't. And with this one, I was hoping somebody, I was hoping somebody would come forward this time and give me a definitive, this is how I know it's not Nafana Pelma annex. I didn't quite get that, but a gentleman whose name under YouTube was Afana Pelma, so I assume he knows, this, probably somebody that knows the genus very well, he came forward and said, listen, that's that's a Brachypelma, not an A-Annex. And I said, could you please tell me, have you raised them before? Do you know what to look for? Because nobody, everybody had seen adults, people had seen juvenile, nobody had been able to tell me, yes, I've raised, he goes, yes, I've raised many of them. They do look very similar at a certain point when they're juveniles, but by the time they get to the size of my female, they should have already darkened out quite a bit in that carapace area. He said, that carapace is way too bright. And I also tried to look up some pictures. One of the things I'm going to do is look at the carapaces and see if the markings on them, line them up, see if, if it looks more like B. albiceps or A. annex. And I'm hoping through this, somebody might come forward who knows more about the genus. Because again, I just got into a Fauna Pelma a few years ago. I was picking up a little teeny tiny sling, so I don't have a lot of experience with slings to adults. I don't know what these guys, what to expect as far as what these guys look like. So in this case, I'm leaning toward the fact that this is actually a Bialbiceps. Now, the irony of all of this is the last time I tried to buy a Bialbiceps from the same dealer, I ended up with a different tarantula. However, I managed to get one with this. But now I'm disappointed because I've been collecting a Fauna Pelma and now I don't have an annex. So now I need to try to find an annex. Anyway, the point of this was it does happen. And it's happened to me a couple times now with these two guys. And then another one I bought, it was supposed to be a B Albo. And it ended up being uh, Voggins, which is totally fine. But it, 
things happen. You know, I, I, I get this. And this was what I bought from a pet store. So I wasn't as shocked about this one. But these two kind of threw me. So now what I'm going to try to do is get positive ID one way or another. This one right now is probably about four, four and a half inches. So it's a good size spider. The last time I looked, lady parts I thought were there. I wanted to put them under my microscope. I could see the little, little nubbins there. And I want to get it under my microscope. And I didn't get around to it. So maybe I'm going to get this under my microscope. Look at, compare the parts between Annex and Albiceps and confirm one way or another what it is but now i'm left with this video that's up that i want to pull down because it's supposed to be husbandry on a annex and it's not the right species it's kind of silly and again i don't want to take it down because i don't want people to see this as look at tom's hiding it because he's wrong it's not that at all i actually want to leave it up to and i'd love to be able to leave it up and put something on afterwards like hey guys by the way just to let you know this is the wrong spider and it's been proven unfortunately you can't add things to YouTube videos once they're already up. So I don't have that option, but moving ahead, I will probably do an update video on it. Once I can get absolute 100% confirmation that it is the wrong species, that it is actually a Brachypelma albiceps, and then I will do something and put it up and be able to talk about it there and be able to call out the other video and go, by the way, I put this video up, it's the wrong spider. So one way or another, I'm, I'm excited if it's a B albiceps because I've been dying to get one. They had them at Fear Not Tarantulas recently and I missed out on it. And it would be great to have one. And now I've got my B. albiceps and she looks like an adult. So I don't even have to look for the juvenile anymore. It's a, the spider, regardless, whatever it is, it's absolutely gorgeous. Just striking red uh, hairs on the abdomen, that flesh-colored carapace, those dark, like almost gunmetal black legs. It's just a gorgeous spider. But I would like to know one way or another what it is. So... Maybe when I put this one up, I'll throw some pictures of her up so people out there that have more expertise in the area of this genus can chime in because right now I'm just kind of going on what people are saying and, physical, and the physical appearance of it. And it's funny because I had one guy come on, man, I thought you were an expert. You couldn't figure this out. I'm like, no, I'm not an expert. I it, There's certain species I've raised enough of that I'd be able to look at and go, and I have. I'd be able to look at and go, hey, you know what, buddy? That's not what you think it is. Unfortunately, this isn't one of them. I haven't raised any of these up. And when you go, again... When you go online and look up pictures of them, what comes up is, a, a very, you know, between the Fondapelma annex and the B. albiceps are two very similar looking spiders at, at certain parts in their development. So, nope, I don't know. I, and that's why I like doing this stuff. For me, it's not, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed I put something up that, that's wrong. For me, it's like, ooh, we got a mystery. Let's figure out what this is. So, that, I, I want, the person of Fondapelma, that's the, his, his name on YouTube, but I don't know if he even listens to this, but I'll try to find a comment and let him know. I do, I'm incredibly appreciative of you coming forward, making the comment and taking the time to explain to me because uh, this is where I learn. This is where I get my information from. And now it's, I've got something to figure out here. Let's, let's get some actual information that proves one way or another what this is. So that's an instance it happened with me, you know, obviously, well, two instances where it happened to me. And then there's the other one with the Voggins Albo, which again, it's a pet store, but it's not as prevalent as people think. You're more likely to get it in pet stores than you are with, you know, big dealers. But can it happen? Of course it can happen. Uh, the big dealers, it's, it's, they're moving a lot of spiders. Some of them have people helping them. Things get mislabeled. Heck, in my own collection, I've accidentally mislabeled stuff before. So I can see how it's like later on. I, I did it with some Formictopus. I did a bunch of Formictopus rehousings once and I put the wrong labels on and it wasn't until they matured. I'm like, wait a minute. That's not what I thought it was. So it can happen. Uh, the pet stores, it can be dangerous. And that's the big issue. I had the recent email, that's how I recently, about a couple months ago, somebody emailed me and said they bought what they thought was a, they called it a the salmon bird eater, the Lazyodora parahibana. 
and they said they had some doubts on what it was, and they sent me a picture of it. What they showed me was some, it, it looked to me like H. Gigas, uh, it definitely in that genus. And this person actually picked up the spider and was thinking of handling it, and we quickly put the kibosh on that. And there was another instance where the person, this was my favorite of all time, the person purchased what was supposed to be a rose hair tarantula. And, or they were selling what was supposed to be a rose hair tarantula. And the person sent me a picture of the, the spider, you know, the label on it, rose hair tarantula, uh, you know, easy docile, whatever. And there's this poor little spider curled up in some dry substrate. Well, it was a Kilobrachy species. Now, I honestly can't think. I guess you could probably, I mean, selling somebody a pokey and making them think it's a beginner species is pretty bad too, although I think you're less likely to get bit probably with a pokey. But uh, can you imagine a kid going in there, you do your research, you find out, hey, rose hairs, there's supposedly one that used to be a pretty good beginner, you pick one up for your kid, kid brings it home, oh, I'm going to handle him, I'm going to call him Harvey, and next thing you know it, boom, he gets tagged by a Kilobrachy species. Like, that's no joke, and that's where it gets scary, and that's where I think when people buy adults and they're, you know, if you buy an adult, especially if you're buying an adult and you think that it's a new world species and you have you know questions of concern by all means reach out to somebody shoot me an email post on arachna boards is a great place um there's a million facebook groups you can go on uh, you know tarantula collective off the top of my head a good group of people there they're very helpful and will help you out and and you'll get some people that'll help you identify it correctly because that's where it gets dangerous that's where it scares me that's not just disappointment that's you're putting somebody in harm's way you're put you're you're potentially setting somebody up for a very bad day in the hobby when they think they're getting what is supposed to be a new world, you know, possibly handleable species, and they're getting uh, a fast and feisty old world. That's something that's, you know, that's negligent. So that would be a point where I'd reach out if you ever have. And, and again, I love doing the IDs. I, it's it's a, a game for me, and I get a lot of these, and I always get like, ooh, let's see it. You know, hey, hey Tom, I'm wondering, I, I got this spider. I don't think it is what I think it is. Can I send you a picture? Heck yeah, let's do it. But um, I think when you get the slings, the best advice I can give you, if you got a sling and you think it's not the sling it's supposed to be, just let it grow. Figure out what it is. You know, give, give it some time. There's no point in freaking out because I've seen these threads go on like arachnoboards and on other social media things where somebody goes, hey, can you tell me what kind of sling this is? And people are yep, it's, it's, it's a new world sling. And that's about as far as you can go with it because they look so similar. So unless you've come into some information that really leads you to believe, like say you hear, hey, somebody, and actually somebody told me the guy with um, Afana Pelma that was telling me that the my ANX was probably a Bialbaceps said that there was another one that was being sold as ANX that was another Afana Pelma species. I can't remember it off my top of my head. So if you hear information like that and it's credible, yes, by all means, you probably want to investigate that and look into it. So if you hear, hey, I heard so-and-so got a bunch in that were this, but they're really this. That's something that would make me wonder, but unless you have information to lead you to believe that the person's misrepresenting what they're selling or the sling you have isn't what you think it is, then just grow it up and see what you got because most people aren't going to be able to identify it as a sling anyway. So grow it up, love it, give it the care it needs and see what you get. The Oh, and then I should mention, I almost forgot this because I forgot to put it on my notes. But the, the other spot where this can become troublesome is, if, for example, with the Kilobrachy species and being sold as the G. rosea. 
care. And in most cases, if you have a new world sling, the care is going to be identical. And I've, I've said this many times, we try to overcomplicate things, but I keep all my new world slings the exact same way. Actually, majority of my old world slings, I keep the exact same way too. You know, you give them some substrate, moist on the bottom, let them burrow. It's kind of universal. So it's not a big deal there. But with the older specimens, for example, if I'm buying what I think is a a rose hair, a G. rosea, and I read they abhor moisture, so I give it a dry enclosure with a couple inches of dry substrate and a water dish, and I drop my Chelobrachy species in there, I'm going to have one unhappy, possibly dead Chelobrachy species because this is a species that likes to burrow. It likes moist substrate. It's totally opposite end of the care spectrum as far as tarantulas are concerned. You couldn't get more polar opposite in terms of care. So that's another spot. But again, with the slings, it's not much to worry about at that point because the care really isn't going to be that different. You're not, you shouldn't end up with a sling, you know, a dead sling in that respect. However, once they put on some size, that's where it becomes a little iffy because then you might have a situation where you need to get this thing into damp substrate. But if you think it's another one, you might be being told it only needs a couple inches of dry. That's where it becomes an issue. But again, that's where they're easier to identify when they put on some size. So I guess the moral of the story is, can it happen? Yes. Does it happen often? No, not if you're buying for reputable dealers. And I'd be happy to recommend dealers for people that are wondering. I do it all the time. I have people that I buy from. I have people I haven't bought from, but that have stellar reputations in the hobby. And I have no problem, you know, offering their names and, and links to their their sites or whatever. But if you're buying from reputable places, it doesn't happen often. Can it happen? Yes, but your best bet isn't to send off a bunch of pictures of slings saying, look at my little brown sling with a mirror patch. Could this be this species instead of this species? Wait it out. Take notes. Feel free to do research. Find out what you're looking for. Find out what time that, you know, I'll tell you one thing I do, I would do if I thought I got sold the wrong thing is I would look up online, you know, pictures of juveniles so I could see what point did their colors start emerging because that's when it's going to be easier to identify. And again, just enjoy the spider. Take care of it correctly don't worry about it being the wrong thing because there's nothing really you can do at that point anyway. And again, most, if you're, it's a reputable dealer and they sell you the wrong spider and you can prove it's the wrong spider when it, when the time comes, I don't think anybody would have a hard time fixing the situation. In fact, most of them would probably have already found out by then that some of the spiders went out and were the wrong ones. So if, on the other hand, you have an adult that you think might be the wrong one or you're thinking about buying from the pet store, yeah, that's a point where you want to reach out. Get some good photos of it. Try to get the carapace in there because from some of the species, you have to look at the indents and the carapace and, you know, get a good, well-lit shot of it for so that people can hopefully help identify what it is because that's something that could be an issue for not only you if you think you're getting a new world and you're getting an old world or the spider is in terms of care where if you get one that you think is dry but unfortunately it's a different species and requires moisture, that could be an issue as well but again it doesn't happen often and pet stores you're rolling the dice that's where you're going to see it happen but always feel free to reach out sorry i'm petting my dog here because we're almost done with this one they've been so well behaved and she just wants to get petted and if i don't pet her she's going to go make noise in the background so anyway that'll about do it for this one uh again if anybody has pictures of their a annex that they want to either email me or post up on facebook that would be very much appreciated so i can kind of get a comparison comparison of them i'm pretty sure at this point i mean i've had enough people come forward they seem to know what they're talking about to tell me that this one is not what it appears to be and again if anybody wants to talk about their uathless speed oh my gosh there it is it's a, the name change still taking a while to sink into my brain 
homeoma chilensis if you want to you know post up about the care or what you see from them as far as they wander has anybody seen this burrowing behavior from the larger specimens like the adults please feel free to chime in and leave a message i'll be reading them and i'd love to hear what the rest of you guys have to say so that's it for this one as always feel free to check out my youtube channel although i have to get some videos up there it's almost summer for me this is my last i have three days of school next week and then i'm off and then it'll be time to really start pumping stuff out there so hopefully i'll be a little more prolific then with uh, that and i'll be able to get some of these podcasts out ahead of time so i don't have to you know biggest issue now is it's always saturday morning and sometimes the dogs behave sometimes they don't so we'll see how it goes and uh, yeah i've got a ton of stuff to do to my website as well that that seems to be my new thing now at the end of these podcasts bemoaning the fact that i'm behind on the the website so anyway i'll be looking forward to a lot more for me if, if that's the type of stuff you like as always thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you guys all next time